0: Amen. Thank you, band. Can I have another warm welcome as we gather here tonight? For those of us who were not here yesterday, just a quick recap. Um, As we look into this next couple of days, the theme is on welcome home. And uh, I believe God wants to welcome us home, and, and Tyle asking me to extend uh, a love and a greetings to all of you. Uh, and when I was speaking with her this morning, she was reminding me that the welcome home is not just the Father welcoming us home, but also we are preparing a room in our heart to welcome home the Spirit. And that we are extending a welcome afresh to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it knocks at the doors of our heart. And when we open the door, it comes in. It dines with us. And God wants a welcome. And I was thinking of that song. It says, Come and make my heart your home. Come and be everything I know. Search me true and true. Till my heart becomes a home for you. Home for you. In everything I do, open up a door for you to come through. And my heart will be a place where you love to dwell. Come and make my heart your home. The Holy Spirit wants to be at home in our hearts. It wants to have full unhindered access to every room in our heart. There is no place that is out of bound to the Spirit of God. He wants to get into the deepest recesses of our heart because He wants to shine His light upon our hearts, because He wants to imprint the glory of God. The Bible says as we behold Him, we are changed, we are transformed. We go from one level of glory to a greater level of glory by the power of the Spirit at work within us. That Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, when He dwells within us, it quickens our mortal bodies. It brings about a transformation, it brings about a quickening, it brings about the expression of the glorious image of the living God. And we become all that God has designed and called us to be. So tonight, the Holy Spirit stands at the door of your heart. And it says, will you give me a welcome? And so we pray, not just as individuals, but we're praying as a church. We're praying as a community of God's people. We're praying for our region. We're praying for our cities. And we're saying, Lord, you're welcome home in County Durham. You're welcome home, Holy Spirit, in the northeast of England. You're welcome home, Holy Spirit, over this nation, Lord. That every aspect of this land, of this nation, be saturated with the glory of the risen God. Just as the waters covers the seas, Lord. Lord, we do not aspire unto ankle deep, Lord. Not knee deep, Lord. Not to the tie. We want to be completely, totally submerged in the flood of your spirit, Lord. More than a head, Lord. Open the heavens, Lord. rend the heavens, Lord. Rang the heavens, Lord. And let there be a glorious outpouring of your Spirit over our hearts, over our land, over our nations, over this region by the power of your Spirit. Lord, we give you a welcome. We give you a welcome in our hearts right now. We give you a welcome in our churches. We give you a welcome in our homes. We give you a welcome in our gatherings. We give you a welcome in a small group, in our large gatherings. We give you a welcome, Lord. Lord, we say you're welcome in your house, Lord. You are the Lord of this house, Lord. And Father, we, we repent for in times and attitudes that we have put on that have shut you out of your home, Lord. Where we have limited you to just a room or a corner in the homes, Lord. We just repent and we the we Lord, we're sorry, Lord. Where we've grieved you, Holy Spirit, Lord. Where we have, by our omissions and our commissions, where we've cut you off and denied you access into the homes of our hearts and our churches and our lives and our communities. We say, Lord, we're sorry tonight, Lord. We fling wide doors. We fling wide the doors, Lord. Be lifted up all your gates. Be lifted up you everlasting doors. Let the King of glory coming. Let the King of glory coming. Let the King of glory coming. Lord come rule, reign in your power, rule in your majesty, rule in the splendor of your beauty, Lord. Lord, we give you a welcome as we come tonight, Lord. And Father, our heart longs for you. I have longs for you tonight, Lord, that you will meet with us in a real and tangible way. And you will send us from here, Lord, with our hearts warmed by the fire of your Holy Spirit. Reignited with a fresh passion for you and the things of your Spirit, Lord. Give us a new understanding of all we are in Jesus. Give us a fresh understanding of what it means to be a son in our Father's house, Lord. Give us a fresh understanding to know what it means to be children of the living God. The Bible says you are children of God. Even if the world does not know because they do not know Him. But you are His children. And His hand and His mark is upon you. Lord, send us from here with Your presence. Let Your presence mark us as different from everybody else on the surface of the earth. Because we carry Your presence, Lord. And we bring your presence to bear. Everywhere we step our foot upon, we bring the presence of the living God to break an invitation, Lord. So, Lord, we cry out to you tonight. Will you come, Spirit, Holy Spirit, and have a welcome amongst us. Have a welcome, Lord. We welcome you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Quickly, our time is galloping away. Um, we started yesterday looking at the story of the father and his two sons. And we looked at the prodigal, and because of time, uh, we will just move on. And this evening, we want to consider the elder son. And from that passage, we know the story. The younger son went to the father and says, Give me all my inheritance. He took everything, it went off. The Bible says he spent it on riotous living. And then when he was in want and everything was so desperate, it was almost at the point of death, he came back to his senses and he said, actually, even servants in my father's house have a better existence than I have here. So I will go back. I will go back. There was that point of repentance, that point of turning around, that point of recognizing the place of the father in his provisions for his life, and then he went back. But he decided, even if he takes me back at us, I have seven, That's good enough. But we know the father had a different proposition. It was a complete and full welcome. And he chose this lavish party. And we pick up from there. And as this lavish party was going on, the elder brother who had been away, working hard, coming back home, heard this music. And he got upset and says, what's going on? And he says, your younger brother's come back. And your father has thrown this big party and he's thrown a welcome. And he just could not believe that. How could my father be so stupid? How can he, after all I've done for him, is this the way to pay me back? So when we look at the elder brother, we see in the elder brother somebody who wants to please, somebody who is dutiful, somebody who is obedient, and somebody who's always stayed at home. He's always been the good one. He's always been the one that's reliable and that will always do what the Father wants. And outwardly, life seems to be perfect. It seems to be just everything you would want to be. He was a perfect son. He did everything the Father wanted. He had this deception of external righteousness. But that's either way the inner wrath and unwholeness that was eaten away at the core of his being. And when he was confronted by the father's joy at the return of the prodigal, something seeps up from the depths, and we see it comes to the surface. You and I would have thought that when the older brother sees the father receives the younger one and rejoicing, that will also generate joy and response to his heart. But no, that was not what it generated. Instead, what became quite visible was this resentful, proud, unkind, and selfish attitude that came from the older brother. And when I look at that, I'm thinking, that's not great. But the challenge for each one of us today, as we focus on this story, are there states of our heart or aspects of our life that we have become like the elder brother. We're obedient, we're dutiful, externally we look like we've got it all together. But yet, when there is an expression of our Father's generosity and His lavish grace to those we might consider undeserving of the Father's love and attention, does that provoke in us a sense of joy or does it bring resentment and anger? And what the father is doing. When we look at the son, he was in his father's house. He was serving the father faithfully. But he had lost his joy and his sense of intimacy with his father. It has become a duty. It has become a burden. It has become a servitude rather than a joyous partnership with his father. In the glory of all the privileges of a son in the father's house. But he was still at the task. Unlike the younger one, he did not leave it, it was still there. But how many of us have become, even though we are in a father's house, we've lost the joy of service, we've lost the joy of celebration. Our walk with God and our walk with our Heavenly Father has become a chore, has become a burden, has become a servitude. And sometimes that manifests itself in our reaction to those whom we consider less deserving of the grace and the privileges of God. Because in a way, when we see the lavishness and the joy of the Father, when we see others that we consider undeserving, it provokes a resentment and an anger and a jealousy in us. And it tells us that, yeah, we may be at home, but our heart has gone to the distant land. We may be at home with the Father, but our heart is in a distant land. Because we've been cut away from being able to see with the eyes of our Heavenly Father. We've lost the ability to see the way He sees. There are three things I think is important as we look at the older brother. He was lost, even though he didn't realize it. And why do I say that? Because the resentment that came up when he came in contact with the lavish grace of his father showed that there was something. Even though he was with the father it still wasn't with the father. One of the books that has really, really challenged me as I looked at this subject was a book we looked at. It's called The Return of the Prodigal Son by Henry Nguyen. And looking at it, you know, it says some really wonderful things and it really helped me thinking about this older brother. And that sometimes we need to come face to face with the truth of God's word. And allow the mirror of God to shine upon our heart, and reveal where our true heart lays. And it says, one of the things it says, which I really love, it says, Of the resentful saints, it is hard to reach because it is closely wedded in the desire to be good and virtuous. It's hard to discern this lostness. Because that lostness is wedded to this concept of being one to be good, and want to be virtuous, and want to do the right thing. So externally, it looks as if we're perfect. Everything is going on right. But internally, it might not necessarily be that. Or there are points in our lives that we just seem ourselves to have drifted. And as I was preparing for this, I felt the Holy Spirit shining a light on my own heart. I remember when I first, when we first moved to Glasgow, and we, we we got into the church there. Myself and I were really struggling to be part of this church. It was a, a sort of um, nice, posh area of Glasgow, actually, and quite a lot of you know middle class, upper class, you know kind of rich neighbourhood. And I never knew there was something in my heart about people who were rich or who had abundant wealth. I grew up in a what would be the equivalent of a, of a working class or a council estate here yeah, when I was in Nigeria. And we were struggling to connect with this. And we're thinking, God, we don't really want to stay. We want to move to something else. And I find sometimes some of the, some of the attitude and the things they do was just generating a sort of resentment in me. It was almost like, what's wrong with these guys? When they should be you know, spending their money doing good or doing things they're, they're so concerned about whether you use a cop and a saucer or something. What has what, what, what that got to do in the biggest scheme of things? And I was justifying that with a righteous indignation, thinking, oh, I was so concerned about the poor and everything. But the Lord said, no, actually, that is about your class consciousness. That is not a genuine righteous indignation. That is because there's an aspect of your heart that still feels that those who God has blessed with financial resources there's something they've done wrong because you are not there. And when God shone the light on me, I was shocked. I would never have thought I had any prejudice. And I realized, yeah, I was okay with the poor people. I was okay, with, you know, with anybody else. But when I saw somebody with a lot of money, there was always something about that. And I says, what is that about? What is it in your heart? And I had to go before the Lord and say, Lord, shine your light on that. And he says, that's none of me. I bless all of my people. They are different paths on different journeys. And then God began to say, you think because they're rich or because they have all these possessions, as we would call it back in Lagos then, that there's something wrong with them? No. And God began to deal with our hearts and say, look, I brought you to this place so that you can see and learn. And I found among those people, some of the most committed people, people who poured their resources into the things of God. People who gave beyond my wildest imagination, in all my charismatic pompousness and arrogance because some of these people were theologically not charismatic and I thought I was most superior to them because I was a charismatic and I was tongue-talking and, and rational. But yet there was depth of commitment in their heart and a depth of service to God that I had never seen even among the charismatics. And some of them might not use the theology of the Holy Spirit but there was a discernment and I was say sensitivity to the needs and to the care of people around them that I've not even seen with some tongue-talking, tongue-slashing people. And that just brought me down and it made me see something of what we're reading in this story. That sometimes what we close in righteous indignation, like this older brother... Because he was challenging the father. I was saying, why would you take this guy back? He's not deserving of it. Because he's not righteous. He's not done right. I have done right. I have served you. I have been there. And that complaint came out of a heart that felt the father has not given him what he deserves. And oftentimes we get into that place of complaint and resentment. Because we look at others and we feel the father is partial. They always get what they deserve so easily. But what about me? What about me? What about me? It's almost we accuse our father of being favorite. He interprets the lavishness of the father's grace on the younger brother as meaning that the father loves him less. But the father does not compare his sons. It's not into rivalry. He loves both sons equally. In their own journey, in their own work, he loves them with the same passion and with the same desire. He loves them differently. He understands the son's passion and motivation, not regulated by obedience, which led him astray. But he also recognizes the oldest brother's duty and obedience, but which lacks vitality, well, by passion. But even in that place, he still lost them equally. His desire is still to bring them into a home where they can enjoy the lavish love and celebration of a father. And when he says to the father, all this time I've been with you, you've not even killed a kid. It wasn't really true. Because this older son, every day, had the privilege of being at his father's banquet table. And enjoyed the provisions of his father on a daily basis. The only reason why suddenly it's become an issue now, is because the father has killed a spotted calf for the younger brother. And when we get into that place where we lose our perspective of what God is doing, and we get into this place of complaint and bitterness and resentment, we we'll lose perspective of the Father's love and the Father's care for us, and we begin to misinterpret and begin to project more of our own feelings to actually who the Father is. And we begin to interpret the Father's dealing in our lives as something that is of a master and of a cruel, and I say this father is mean to us and we're not deserving. And we begin to think, well, I'm not worthy. Maybe he prefers other people. Maybe I'm not a favorite. God, we're all of his favorites. We are all favorites of God. Because he loves us all equally. And that was the father's challenge to him. And rivalry, this comparison, can kill. And remember in New Testament, when Paul says, You're fools when you compare yourself with one another. It's a foolish thing to do because you compare yourself with Jesus. Because he has set a different path for each one of us to work and he sets a different course for each one of us. And in the path and in the course he sets for us, it provides grace and is help to be able to run the race that he has set for you. So when I begin to compare myself with you, and I begin to interpret my father's love for me, based on my comparison of one another, I lose sight of what my father is doing. Because he's working with us differently. It's bringing us into different callings, into different aspects. But in each of our calling, we are assured of our Father's love, we're assured of His grace, we're assured of His abundant blessings. The Bible says, Jesus says, I have come that you have life, and I have life in all of His fullness. Even in the part that He has ordained for you. We see that in the life of Paul. It says he persecuted the church, he wasted them away. he cast them into prisons, he even contributed to the death of the saints. But yet, when God's mercy fell upon him and when God turned him around, the Bible says this same one who persecuted us became one of the heaviest laborers in the field of the gospel. Now, the disciples did not say, yeah, well, you did that so we can accept you. But no, they rejoiced that that will used to persecute us has now been turned around and they released him into all that God has for them. Is that the reality in our work and in our interactions with all the brothers and sisters. Have we come to recognize the lavishness of the grace of God that for God to turn them around from their waywardness and their prodigal and frolicity and bring them into a place where they are now on fire for the Lord and consumed with a desire for the things of a spirit. That needs to provoke a rejoicing and a gladness in our heart because we are all now pushing in the same way. Peter was not envious of false ministry. But rather they rejoiced in what God was doing in his life. Because it's called into to the Gentiles. And it's called them to do a different task. But everyone stayed in their task and rejoiced in the call of God there. be able to see that there is a place for the older brother, the younger brother. When they turn their face back to the father and focus on walking the path that he has ordained for them. I had an experience while I was in Katana. I think I shared it in church a few weeks ago. On a particular day when we were really having a really bad day, I was so angry in my spirit and I said, God, why have you brought us here? This is not fair. You should just have left us in Durham. Our life was good. We were getting on. Everybody else has a life of ease. Why must our life be so difficult? And that was a moment when I slipped into the older brother's mentality because I began to compare myself with others. Began to think they have a life of ease. I have a life of difficulty. But is that true? It's not. <laughs> it's far from the truth. Is that true? It's not. Because these brothers that I was getting angry because I felt God was being partial to them and giving them an easy right, were you really all having an easy right? I'm sure you weren't. <laughs> But in my heart, in that moment, when I lost sight of what the Father was doing and I slipped into that older brother mentality and that comparison and that rivalry, rather than seeing with the eyes of my Father's spirit and seeing the benevolence of God, rather than leaning to Him and receive the grace and the strength for the charge that He's put before me. And thank God for the Holy Spirit. Because in that moment, I had a fronting of the Holy Spirit. I remember saying to Ty, I need to go away now. And I went into the room, and I just shut the door, and I just said, Lord, you need to deal with this in my heart. But in that moment, as I stayed and I waited on him, there was a refreshing. And I came out of that room realizing, actually, no, for all that the Father's called me to do, there is grace to be able to fulfill his call upon my life. There are so many privileges I enjoy being his child. In the path that He has ordained for me, there are many, many blessings that have come. Even out of that place of painfulness and out of that place of hardship. The charge to every son is to carry your cross and to follow Him. We all have a cross to carry. For some of us it might be more visible than others, but we are carrying our crosses. And there is a place of sacrifice and there is a place of responsibility to the call of God upon our lives. But I see what the Lord really wants to do tonight is saying, My son, don't stay outside angry and resentful and thinking that you're not deserving because of what you see your father is doing with others. Why don't you focus? Shift your gaze back to your father. Behold his face. See it's love. See, it's compassion. The same father, when he heard the older brother was outside, left the party, ran to him, engaging in him. Exactly the same action he did to the younger son. He did not love them any less. He loved them equally. He responded to them quickly, spontaneously, and lavishly. He was willing to give everything up in order to meet them at their point of need. Exactly the same thing. But he couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. And that's why the father entreated him and said, son, you've always been with me. Everything I have is yours. You've always been with me. All I have is yours. All I have is yours. There's no reason to feel any less than a son. There's no reason to feel any less excited because you've always stayed home. Actually, there is a virtue and a glory that comes from staying home all of the time because you save yourself from a lot of heartache and a lot of consequences of the actions of riotous living and living in that dirty place. So there is a grace on your life when you've always stayed home, but you can stay home not as a hireling. You stay home not as a servant. You stay home not in point by an orphan spirit. You stay home as a celebrated son in his father's house. The one who shares the banquets on a daily basis. The one who enjoys intimacy. The one who has the privilege of partnering with the Father on a daily basis. The one who is able to look into his eyes and receive the mandate of God. The one who is able to discern his heart. The one who knows what the Father wants because he's a friend of the Father. Because he's close to the Father. He can hear the Father's whisper. The one who is able to reflect the Father in all of his fullness and in all of his glory. That is the privilege of the Son who has stayed home. And tonight, for all of us who are sons in our father's house, he wants you to come into that celebration. He wants you to come into that. Day. He wants you to rediscover the joy of welcoming your brothers. He not him "That your son. He wouldn't even consider him a brother. He wouldn't even use a brother. He said, no, 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 he's not that my son. He is your brother. And he needs a welcome from his older brother. It needs a welcome, not just from the father, it needs a welcome from the older brother. And if we're going to experience a revival, if we're going to see an influx of the outpouring of God into homes, older brothers need to rediscover their joy in welcoming the younger brothers home. That should not provoke resentment or anger or bitterness, or a lack of focus of what our Father is doing. That should provoke a sense of celebration. We should be equally celebrating as much as our Father is celebrating as we see the younger sons come up. Because that's why we prayed earlier. We want the prodigals home. We want the Father to bring the prodigals. But when the prodigals come, we want to receive them with rejoicing and with celebration. We want to be the one leading that party on behalf of our Father. We want to say to the prodigals, welcome home. Brother, you're welcome I've missed you. Let's go together now and begin to walk the path that is ordained for us. Because that is our call as sons in our Father's house. We need to pray. Our time is running. It talked about an Estonian proverb which says, He who does not thank for little will not thank for much. And in this book it talks about two important things to bring the conversion of the older brother into the place that he needs to be. And he talks about trust and gratitude. When we come back to that place of absolute trust in our Father's heart for us, that he loves us equally as he loves everybody else, and that nothing changes that. That is independent of our actions. He loves us. We trust in God's absolute grace and love for us. And then we're full of Gratitude. That sense of recognizing that all that we have is from the Father. Everything we enjoy has come from the Father. All that we have comes from Him. But all that He has is shares with us. Everything I have, Son, is yours. Jesus says, Father, I thank you because you shared everything with me. And He says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Just, I don't send you out as servants, I send you out as friends, because I'm sharing with you everything the Father shared with me. All the resources of the Father is at our disposal. Nothing should hinder us from walking in the fullness of the joy and the privileges of God. So what's going to be the response of our hearts tonight? We've, you know, there's been so many encouragement about stepping out, coming out. I don't know where you are in, in, in your work with God tonight whether you've lost the joy of salvation, whether it's become a chore and a servitude and a burden, tonight, I believe the Lord wants to restore the joy of being in your Father's house. I believe tonight, He wants to cast off that blindfold, that resentment and anger and jealousy and bitterness that's built up in your heart. Tonight, He wants to give you a fresh revelation of your Father's heart for you. You are his favorite son. You are his favorite daughter. There is no (laughs) doubt about that. He loves us equally. I'm his favorite. And you are his favorite. But our father has the capacity for that. He's got the capacity to have us all as his favorite. Please, can we have the band back? And Can we... I feel some of us need to make a, a response tonight. Because this is not a message for tomorrow. It's a message in the moment. And I really believe that right now, as you step out, you can feel the Father wrap His hands around you. Right now, you can know that sense of joy. In this moment, in this moment, if you've lost your joy, if you've lost that focus, the Lord wants to restore that right now. And as we begin to pray and welcome ministry, I want to encourage you, if that's you, will you just step up? It's a step of faith, and I just trust that there is an invitation that is available right now. God will do something in your heart that will release you into that newness of life. You will go away from here knowing that there is a revival in your spirit, man. Because that's his promise for us. So if that's you tonight, I want to encourage you to come out for some prayer. Remember, we're also praying for fathers who are struggling with their prodigals. If that's you as well, I would love you to come out and receive prayers. We'll just have some worship and we'll just go into time of ministry here. Ministry team tonight, encourage you to come. As we are praying, I believe God will be speaking things to certain people within the congregation. And if God speaks something to you for another brother or sister beside you, please feel free. Right now, we are just open to what the Spirit is doing amongst us. So just, just go for it. If it is rekindling joy in your heart and connecting you to a brother to a sister, just go for it in the moment. Just let His Spirit come right now.